Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. It's Matt. Hi, I'm Dory. Uh, thanks for joining us, episode 108 wow. of this podcast. Wow. And uh, I don't know, should we start with the update or get into the discussion that you and I just had off the air? Um, We can get into that discussion. Okay. Guys, we're 108 episodes into this podcast. We have uh, done a lot of IVF, a lot of cycles. We know that uh, people want to um, have a have a nice place to go to listen to podcasts that don't talk too much about successful IVF. I guess. I mean, what do people want? What did I want? I don't know. Anyway, I think people want to feel seen. Right, and we made them feel seen. Uh, going back to. Let me just take a look here. 
October 16th, 2016. Over two years ago. Yeah, two years of uh, being seen. <laughs> so we saw you all. <laughs> we were also you. Um, yeah, Dory and I have been having a discussion about whether or not to continue to do this podcast in the sense of, I mean, don't worry, it's not going anywhere. People are probably like, oh, no. Or some maybe people, they're some like, people are probably like, finally, yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. Thank God, they're pulling the plug. Um, <clears throat> We're not pulling the plug. No. But, you know, there has been a, I'm just trying to figure out what is going to be the best thing to do here for everybody. Like, do I, do we continue to do this podcast in a way that is, uh, we just never mention the fact of what's going on in our lives? Because quite frankly, the thing that's going to probably be most prominent in our lives coming, going forward is going to be the fact that Dory uh, and I are expecting, uh, we're, uh, have been fortunate enough to be expecting a, a, a child. Um, so it'll be kind of hard to do the whole what's going on this week kind of thing. And be like, oh, nothing much. Yep. Uh, you know, I had a lot, there was a lot of traffic on Thursday. That was, that was pretty something, you know, that's the kind of thing. I don't know. I don't have an answer guys. And that's sort of why I'm opening up the discussion here. Uh, like we know we've heard from a lot of you who have said, no, please keep the podcast going. Yes. Um, which, you know, we appreciate. Um, but we have heard from a couple of people who are like, can you keep the baby talk to a minimum? This was like my safe place. And I hear that too. Well, the other option we have that we could do, weirdly, I have, uh, I have some, the, the Star Trek, the next conversation might might help us solve this problem. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy and I yammer on quite a bit before we actually get to the discussion of the episode. Yeah. So what I do is I just plop into the description the time code with which that starts. Mm. So that could be a solution. Yeah. I mean, someone emailed us today expressing her displeasure that we even had emails and voicemails about baby stuff. Well, I mean, we'd make an effort to sort of front load that stuff. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. Interesting. And then we would just throw, drop right, a time code in there, right, which would give right, everybody right, right. the heads up. Yep. So that's, that's one option. That's one option. Another option is we shift this podcast entirely. Well, I mean, we're not out of the woods anytime soon, but uh, we s- shift this podcast away from being particularly about IVF. Because, quite frankly, I can't imagine having a toddler toddling around and still doing an IVF podcast. Yeah. We should be so lucky, but it's just hard to imagine that kind of thing. Now, what does that mean for us? Do we change the name of the podcast? Do we... Do I just flip it in, in, inside of uh, our podcast server and, and start a new season? Do we rename the podcast? Do we, re, do we start a new podcast with a separate feed and let this one sort of exist on its own? I don't know. But these are some of the things we've been discussing today, just now. Yep. I'm sure you all have opinions. 
I don't know how many I want to hear. <laughs> you know, I'm always looking at trying to please the people, the most people, um, as many people as possible at any given time. So uh, I don't know how to do that right now. <sighs> Problem is we're all, we're all a bunch of whiny, whiny, whiny bitches. That's us. You and me? Our group of people. Our IVF compadres. I mean, we whined about hearing miracle baby stories. That's true. You know, they whine about hearing us successfully having a baby. We whined about uh, how we knew IVF people who were keeping it a secret from their family. Mm-hmm. You know. We're a whiny, we're a whiny batch. I mean, for good reason. It sucks. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not, but look, I'm, I'm not calling anyone anything. I'm calling all of us something. Mm. I guess. Anyway. Well, we solved nothing. No, we did, but I, you know, I think it's important to start having the discussion. Yeah, no, for sure. Because once we hit the twenty-week mark with you, yeah, our life then transitions from uh, the financial. An emotional stress of IVF to the anxiety and uh, horrors of trying to prepare for a child. <sighs> Has a husband ever died during childbirth? Because <laughs> that could be me. Anyway. <clears throat> That's why we're getting a doula. We lost him in childbirth. What? <laughs> yeah, he... Just kind of uh, his blood pressure skyrocketed, brain fried out, and you know he always likes to worry about things. Seventy five steps down the road, it just became too much for him. Okay, yeah, we did solve nothing. What are you? What is your inclination, Shafrira? My inclination is, mm, excuse me, we're we're never going to be everything to everyone. I know. And, you know, there were people who stopped listening because the podcast got too depressing. That's true. Um, so, you know, I worry that by trying to please everyone, we're going to end up pleasing fewer people. I know. And and most of all, not pleasing ourselves. Like, I don't want us to end up doing something that we don't like to do. What would that be? I think if we if we kind of artificially stop talking about ourselves, I think that would be weird because the podcast has been so personal. Yeah, I know. But I'm just wondering. I don't know. I don't. Look, if you have a thought out explanation or, or, or suggestion of what you think we should do and you're a, you're a reasonable human being who uh, has been with us for a while and then... Quite frankly, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing what you had to say. I'd run a poll in the in the face group, but I think like forty percent of the people in there don't listen to the show. I agree. So there's no point in doing that there. Yeah. Um. I'd run it in the Patreon, but the those are our the two hundred people heads. there are just like. I'm sure they just whatever want whatever you guys want like because yeah. they're so genuinely nice and yeah i don't know where to 
ask for people to tell us what they think we should do. I know. In a reasoned, thought out way. Yeah. So we're up Shit's Creek without and, a paddle. But you know, I'm also, I also have mixed feelings about continuing the podcast once we have a kid. Yeah, she has mixed feelings about that. Because I don't know that I want to do like a parenting podcast for several reasons. I mean, think of all the yumble we'd get as a sponsor. Oh my God. Okay, you've convinced me. Well, I mean, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be set. Um, no, just like I, I don't know. We've already we've already talked so much about this child's conception, and then to talk about this child's life without him kind of being aware of it, just like I don't know, it makes me feel a little weird. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, I don't I know. do know. But I do know that I would be really great at a parenting podcast. I know you would be. So. Maybe you should do a I was thinking podcast. about doing one with Dan Levy. What happened to that? Well, we have another dad. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, anyway. So, that is... Sort like of. There's, there's not a lot of dad podcasts. There's a shit ton of mom podcasts. The world. I don't personally think the world needs another like mom podcast. Yeah, I don't either. Um, so I could, I could probably get a dad podcast going in 14 seconds. Yeah. So maybe that's what we do. You know, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But what do we do with this? Maybe this just stops. Do we start some sort of reality show competition to find the next excellent adventure hosts? Maybe. Are you going through IVF? Do you know how to do a podcast? Do you mind giving us all of the uh, uh, final say on everything? <laughs> Sounds great. Sign me up. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that is some business. The, so I might as well throw a regular business into here before we talk about what's been going on. Uh, you can join our Facebook group. Uh, that's a thing. Apple Podcast reviews is first, of course. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review. You don't even, you know, you don't even have to write a review. You just click just five leaving, stars. Excuse me, leaving the five stars is super helpful because then when people are like, "Are there any podcasts about IVF or pregnancy?" and they and ours comes up and they see all the five star reviews, people are like, "Ooh." I see you said or pregnancy. So, like, you think we're doing a pregnancy podcast? Well, we are kind of now. We're doing both. Yeah, I know. It's very confusing. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Our Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash groups. Slash Uh, Excellent Adventure. Slash Excellent Adventure. Our website is excellentadventure.com. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash excellentadventure. You will get... Up to two bonus episodes per month, depending on what level you support us at. There you go. First, the uh, Patreon for this month. I got to put that up today. Yeah, we did record it. We recorded um, it yesterday. Our Twitter is at ExcellentPod. And you can always email us about anything at DoryMatt at Gmail or Matt and Dory at Gmail. And our phone number is 413-461-BABY. Okie dokie. So, quick update on my prognancy. Mm-hmm. Still occasionally puking. Yep. But I am overall feeling much better. She did not get s- good sleep last night. I was snoring a lot, apparently. Yeah, it was. So, I put in earplugs and that helped. I didn't even have the Zipa. I should have had the Zipa in. 
Uh, also, you know, sometimes when I sleep with those headphones, it, it, my body is inclined to roll to the, so I'm on my back, which is where I do most of my snoring. You were, well, it was interesting. You were on your side. You weren't snoring loudly, but it was enough loudness that I wasn't able to sleep. Yeah. And I, I kind of shoved you a little bit and, and you like rolled over, but I feel bad shoving you too much. I don't want to like actually wake you up. You know? Well, I mean, I don't have a great history of reacting well to that. No, them. you don't. Uh, it's rare that I do fall asleep. So you've scared me. 12, uh, I mean, what time did I go to bed last night? 1, 12.30 maybe. And I was out pretty quickly as soon as I laid down and then woke up at 9. Yeah. I got a decent amount of sleep. I was pretty tuckered out after the uh, World Series last night, everybody. Which is why my voice is a little... A little raspy. A little raspy. Um, it's a very exciting time. It was a Forever 35 Excellent Adventure crossover episode last night. At Dodger Stadium. At Dodger Stadium. A lot of, lot of, a lot of fun celebrities around. Oh, yeah. Bill Simmons was in the section uh, to our right. Eddie Money. Eddie Money was to our left. The a green monster was there. A guy dressed in a... <laughs> Uh, kind of like Chewbacca. No, it was a sniper. It was sniper. It was a sniper outfit. Okay, but he was supposed to be the green monster. Well, yes, he was fully dressed. If you check my Instagram, he's you'll see him there and Eddie Money. Uh, you know, Jason Bateman. I saw just a who's what of baseball. <laughs> but uh, what a game to take in in person! Very very thankful to my wife for allowing me to spend a. Uh, the guitar money so far on some World Series tickets. Got to finish selling the rest of them by late December. It's on our to-do list. <laughs> Matt finally agreed to look at the calendar. It's not a calendar. It's very poorly written. Hi, I'm Matt Myra, critical of things I don't do. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Do you want me to put in specific dates? Because I can do that. Oh, could you ever? Long week at work this week, you know, had some late nights, had some tiredness, handed in my draft. Let's see what happens. Who knows? Who knows if there will be a jealous Jeff and a, don't even remember the other story, something about Valentine's Day, whatever. <laughs> and the point is we're here it was a long week. I, you know, if the World Series and the ALCS weren't happening, I would have gotten my script done so much quicker. It was a lot of baseball to take in all week. I stayed up for most of the of Game Three, which Matt was shocked by. Most of the backbreaking Game Three that really you just thought, man, the Sox are going to be on their heels now. No fight left in them after that. Ta! We reversed uh, that. We and turns them. out that the Dodgers had no fight left in them. <laughs> Last night, they could still, you know, pull it out tonight. They get Kershaw going. We have David Price going on short rest. You know, when he pitches on short rest, he's actually been uh, very good this postseason, but not a great history of it. Anyway, it's not a baseball podcast. Should be, though. All of my commentary seems to be correct. Um, when Kate suggested last night that Matt start a baseball podcast, I was like, no. No one would listen to it. And uh, it would take over your life. It would t- there's 162 games a year. I would have, you know, unless I did it Monday through Friday, like Buster only does baseball tonight. That is the only way 
but I don't have a Josh Macri to produce it. You know, mm. you could, you know what you could do? You could do like a 10 minute daily podcast. <laughs> uh, if you want a good baseball podcast, I suggest, uh, you know, Rhea, Rhea Butcher has a, has a baseball podcast and uh, Buster Olney's baseball podcast over on the ESPN. Those are two wonderful baseball podcasts. You don't need Matt's opinion. Although seemingly every MLB network analysis uh, after the game last night, it was like listening to everything I had said during the game rolled into a game. He's not just saying that. I le- that it, w- it was actually happened. very impressive to me that I was so <laughs> accurate in all of my, what is Dave Roberts doing? <laughs> Why is he doing this? What is happening? When will they sit down Nunez? He's driving me crazy. I don't understand this. You have Devers available on the bench. Anyway. All right. Long, long. Only took us probably an hour to get out of the the park last night. (laughs) Out of the parking lot. And then, you know, the drive home was not trafficy. I mean, getting again, to get out of Dodger Stadium. Cesar Ravine or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, Yeah, that was an hour, but then the rest of it was okay. <sighs> Fried Oreos. Had them. They were good. When Dory brought them over to me, they were post Yasiel Puig three-run home run, and I was sitting and not did not want to eat anything. He put them under his seat, and I was like, and there was whipped cream on them, and I was like, whipped cream's melted. going to melt. And then I, saw, I was like, are you going to eat those? And he's like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> Too depressed. He was so sad. But then, it looks like I, <laughs> it turns out I ate them all. Um... Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for letting me do that, Dory. I appreciate it. What? What do you mean, letting you? Letting me go to the game. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, in fairness, I was only allowed to go to the game because I brought you. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right, should we get started on some emails? What a date night. It was quite a date night. Saturday, our regular date night. Yep. Let's get to some emails. All right. This is we heard from several people about this issue. I'm going to read one of them, one of the emails uh, from anonymous random doctor listener. Mm-hmm. Hi, Matt and Dory. I'm one of your physician listeners, and thought I'd share the following uh, as I listen to this week's episode. One of the reasons baby aspirin may not be labeled as such is that aspirin shouldn't be given to kids, especially kids under three, d- due to the risk of Reyes Reyes syndrome. Reyes oh. syndrome. Low-dose aspirin is more appropriate so as to not confuse people who might think it's actually good for babies. Look, anonymous doctor, I didn't know that babies couldn't have aspirin because I assumed there was a thing called baby aspirin until this very moment. I mean, this is why we have this podcast. This is unbelievable news. This is the first time in my life I feel like anyone has told me there is A, no such thing as baby aspirin, and B, you shouldn't give babies aspirin. Mm Mm-hmm. What if it was called L-I-L apostrophe aspirin? Lil aspirin? Yeah. Mm, I think still confusing. <laughs> I don't think it's that confusing. I need this. Yeah, give me that uh, Lil aspirin. They, they get it for you. Well, I have a big bottle of it on my dresser. If you Lil need aspirin, not for babies. Look, you can call it that. Okay. It's, I, again, I'm just looking to make it easier for me to find. Well, now you know what to look for. Stop. Well, what was confusing is that our doctor referred to it as baby aspirin. Yes. If she had just referred to it as low-dose aspirin, I think you would have been like, okay, low-dose aspirin. Done. I'm on it. Let's go. Aspirin aisle. 
All right, honey. Remember last week we heard from a woman no. whose husband found out day of yes. retrieval that he had no sperm, same as in the movie Private Life, which I had said was unrealistic. And she was like, actually, mm-hmm. it's not not realistic. Okay, so what did you... So Kristen is- wrote in to say, to answer your questions, PISA is percutaneous epididymal sperm apparition and tisa or tessa is testicular sperm aspiration the like your your testile your testicles aspire to have sperm the pessa is aspiration from the epididymis using a needle or syringe of some sort and the tessa or tessie can either can be either tissue aspiration using a fine needle or in my husband's case tissue removal using a tool that I feel closely resembles one using to extract core samples of the earth. That's more of a punch biopsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, testosterone replacement therapy. Remember we remember she was like, he'd been put on testosterone replacement therapy and then it turned out that had like decimated his yeah. sperm count. We were like, what? Okay, she says, yes, this was a separate issue. The urologist suggested it due to low testosterone, which helps combat low energy and fatigue. We were just naive and didn't put two and two together. Sad to say, I've come across many other cases where couples were blindsided with the no sperm outcome. Dave retrieval. My husband's procedure would have been done the morning of my retrieval, but CNY only has one doc that comes to, vis- to, comes to the facility to perform the procedure. He was scheduled for vacation during my estimated retrieval date. So yeah, we were a mere three days from my retrieval when the issue came up. Finally, I hope and pray you continue to have an uneventful and amazing pregnancy. Mine has been fraught with random spotting. Quite common for early pregnancy, even more for IVF. I also had some random spotting. That's true. Yep. By the way, I like to imagine there's someone out there whose name is Dave Retrieval. <laughs> and that's what he does. I'll be a good garbage pill kid. Uh, oh, garbage pill kids. Okay. <laughs> Dave Retrieval. It's time, everybody, for our first break of the show. Isn't that exciting? Are you excited? We'll be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love, 
anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know those, like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Okay, we're bra- we're, we're brack. We are back. Hi, Matt and Dory. This is from uh, Hanny. Hi, Matt and Dory. Love the podcast. Also enjoy listening to Star Trek TNC when Matt isn't messing around with the sound effects of opening and closing doors. Well, that's what I like to do. Uh, in episode 107, Anonymously Nauseous wrote in with a question about how to break the news of pregnancy to someone going through infertility. I wholeheartedly agree with everything that Dory said. Matt suggested a text would be okay as well, but I want to share a story about how texting can go awry. My wife and I had been struggling with infertility for four years after countless IUIs, three surgeries, three rounds of IVF, and five uh, IVF and five miscarriages. We were debating whether or not to continue with the journey or explore the world of adoption. We decided to start the process of adoption, which includes an intense training course over two weekends. Just about to start a two-hour drive to the city where the course was taking place when we got a phone call from my wife's little brother. He got married a week before and called us to inform his... Called from his honeymoon. Sorry. Uh, To tell us that his wife was pregnant. They weren't even trying. This was a lot for us to process, and we just started to drive out in tears. Fifteen minutes into the drive, my good friend sent a group text. Several several of us telling us that uh, they were pregnant. Wife read the text. Read me the text as I couldn't bear the thought of responding, so I told her to throw my phone in the back seat. However, it was a group text, so I could hear for two hours of dinging and dinging. Congratulations and jokes and such. Needless to say, it was an emotional start to our adoption course. In the end, things worked out for us. We decided to do one final round of IVF, which worked. And now we have a 17-month-old daughter. But when I shared the news of our pregnancy, I made sure to send an email. There you go. Hanny, advocate for emails. I'm an advocate for emails. Dory, advocate for emails. Hanny and Dory, email <laughs> advocates. <laughs> um, are we ready for this voicemail? Sure. 
Nope, we weren't ready. I lied. What do you mean we're not ready? Oh, we aren't ready at nope. all because I don't have that thing on. Correct. We're going to be ready in a second. More of a annoying thing for Matt to have to fix in post. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Sasha. I called in a while ago and left a voicemail about my experiences being donor conceived, and I just heard your podcast from two weeks ago where the person called in um, because her and her partner found out that their friends we're having a baby using the same donor, and um, I just wanted to recommend a resource really quick. It's a book called What Makes a Baby. I think the author is Corey Silverberg. Um, it would be really good for their families and also for a lot of your listeners who are conceiving with donor eggs, donor sperm, or who want to figure out a way to talk to their kids about IVF. Um, it's just a very, like, uh, science-based, like simply presented information book for little kids, uh, medium kids, bigger kids, I guess, about uh, what goes into conception. And it can provide parents who are kind of struggling with how to talk to their kids with really easy and accessible language and kind of like a launching off point. Um, I would uh, would echo my previous point that it's always good to share information with your kids as soon as possible, as young as possible, because... It makes things feel normal and not like a dirty secret or um, something to be ashamed of. So definitely this couple should be straightforward with their kids uh, as soon as possible. They don't have to feel like siblings with this other family, but certainly it's an option for the kids to decide and figure out as they grow older. And I think this book would be a great place to start. All right. Uh, Congratulations on your pregnancy and thanks for your podcast. Bye. Thank you for that recommendation, Sasha. Honey, what was that book? It was called What Makes a Baby. Ah. I like a science-based book, so I'm on board. Okay. Thank you. I did a great job. <laughs> Good job, everyone. <sighs> Back to Email Town. It's from Jessica in New York. Honey? Yeah. Would you like me to read it? Sure. Um... We got some PCOS signals recently. True. And Jessica uh, is responding to those specifically about diet, using diet to manage symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. She says, I have lean PCOS, so I'm not overweight and don't have insulin issues. And tried for about a year to conceive before gratefully getting pregnant naturally right before starting an IUI cycle. Did we have someone last week who also had lean PCOS? Yes. And she, oh. she was asking for... Um, advice about it okay this is of course anecdotal but i also gave up gluten and dairy as well as refined sugar to help treat the pcos while i didn't actually see changes in my cycle i did see improvement in my labs specifically fsh and lh and was able to actually conceive naturally of course i can't say for sure that there was a direct correlation between the diet changes and being able to get pregnant but i do feel it helped there's a lot of conflicting information about there out there excuse me about pcos and it can be overwhelming and confusing. One great book I would recommend is Healing PCOS by Amy Medling. She breaks down PCOS so that anyone can understand it, provides tangible tips on how best t- on how to best handle doctors when all they want to do is prescribe you birth control and has a ton of great recipes and tips on how to live a PCOS-friendly lifestyle. 
On one other note for any other PCOS sufferers out there, as long as there are no other issues, including male factor issues, PCOS is one of the most treatable and common fertility disorders. I would highly recommend getting a full workup of labs using the book I mentioned to help you understand which ones you'll need. Then you can get a full and comprehensive picture of where you stand and figure out a treatment plan, which diet can be part of uh, which which diet can be part of which will help you and your specific type of PCOS as there are many different phenotypes. If egg and sperm quality are not an issue and you can get yourself to ovulate again naturally, fertility treatments may not even be necessary. Um, Good luck to all listeners still on their fertility journeys. Thanks for helping to raise awareness and build this community. Jessica in New York. I generally got terrified thinking that the recorder had fallen off the table and it was just my phone, which I don't even need. So... Not only did we get good information about lean PCOS, but we had not, we averted podcast disaster. Wow. Really just letting everybody in, you know? <laughs> um, all right. This next email is from Laura in LA who writes, I really need your help putting out the fluid signal to your listeners. I am like, I specialize in fluids. Go ahead. Ew. I had one retrieval in March 2017, and my husband and I ended up with five PGS-tested embryos, nothing short of a miracle since I was 39 and he was 43 at the time. They are on ice at present. We have not yet attempted a transfer for the following reason. I have severe uterine fibroids, and I've had several hysteroscopic myomectomies and one open myomectomy to remove them. My open myomectomy went very well, and I did not have any complications in healing. I did have two surgeries to remove residual scar tissue after my open myomectomy, but after an HSG with my RE, the cavity looks clear. Here is my issue. My RE has seen persistent fluid in my uterine lining during my mock cycle leading up to the ERA biopsy, which was today. They also biopsied for endometritis, or inflammation of the endometrium, Seems like no one has clear answers on the source of this fluid or how to fix it so that we can go ahead with an FET. So I'm asking your listeners if anyone else has had this issue and if so, how they've resolved it. The success rates for transfer are much lower with the presence of fluid in the lining. And we are obviously reluctant to put embryos in a less than ideal situation. However, we've been trying to conceive for three years now. We got married in October 2015. Like Us you too. too. She writes like you too. I saw that. And I'm starting to lose patience. I hear you. It is super frustrating to be so close to being ready to do an FET, but to have this mysterious, seemingly unsolvable issue thwarting our progress. Help. Thanks so much, Laura in LA. All right. Laura, I, I have nothing to... I remember earlier when I said I was a fluids expert, I lied. <gasps> I thought you were just going to ask me, like, which flavor of Gatorade's best, and I was going to say yellow. Wow. <laughs> Way to way to get her hopes up. I really thought that's honestly thought that's what the was <laughs> gonna be about. Oh boy. What flavor of Gatorade. Oh boy. Um all right. This comes to us from Ashley in Minis- Ashley and Matt, Minnesota. He recommended I was recommended to your podcast by one of my patients after we were discussing mine and my husband's infertility. I just wanted to say hi. Thank you for creating this. I'm in a small town clinic nurse, so days are spent listening to your podcast in between my patients. Not far in, but I've appreciated the episode so far. It's great to hear your sense of humor in something taboo, and I'm just so glad I'm able to listen to them. My husband and I are young, 25, married about three and a half years. Way to go, you guys. You know, you find something you like, you take it home. 
uh, trying for a baby since her wedding. My husband, uh, Matt, also has a low sperm count, and I have PCOS, so referred to a fertility specialist right away. That all makes sense so far, says Matt. That was an editorialism. You, uh, you Matt, not her husband. Says Matt. me, yes. <laughs> oh, my God, this is more confusing than ever. <laughs> it's been a struggle. Seven unsuccessful rounds of IUI. My ovaries are... Wait, what? My ovaries have decided to stop responding to medications altogether. There we go. Okay. So now our last hope is IVF. Our hope was to start in September, but as you both know already, it's insanely expensive. So our plans have been pushed back further. I'm sure later in your podcast, you hit some harder subjects. But I'm just wondering if you have any advice uh, to keep your spirits up when having a... I think she means baby. Yes. When it feels impossible. We hear a lot, just relax, have fun, stop trying, it'll happen. <laughs> well, it didn't. Worst advice ever. That didn't happen for us. We had to continue to try. Uh, for people who have never experienced something like this, to comprehend that, yes, we may be young, but we're also getting older each day. And since our reproductive organs are already not doing what they should, not worrying about it isn't going to help. Thanks for taking the time. Listen to my sob story. And thank you again for sharing your stories. Can't wait till I get further in, sending you positive baby vibes. Um, well, whenever the hell you hear this, it's hard to know. Could You couldn't get up to this in, in four months. And by then, who knows? Maybe you're already uh, successful. I'll tell you what helped me. Oh, boy. Here she goes. I'm kidding. <sighs> I'll tell you what helped me when I, uh, like, in the, in the depths of despair, was having a what's next plan. Uh, yes, that is true. I agree with because that. Because I feel like for so long, we were just sort of like going by the seat of our pants a little bit. Yes. And being like, okay, well, this round, we didn't get an embryo. Okay, we'll just do another round. Or, okay, this transfer didn't work. Uh, You know, we were just kind of like making it up on the fly. And I think that that did work for us for a while. But after two years, um, it, it started to actually, I thought it started to feel just sort of overwhelming. And at that point when we were down to, you know, our last normal embryo and I was not confident that I was going to work, it helped me to come up with a plan of what we were going to do if that embryo didn't work, like a concrete plan. I think for a long time I was, I didn't want to face the idea that it might not work. And so that was why we just kind of like kept going without really coming up with a plan. And then when it was finally like, okay, this might not work, like really might not work. Um, that was when I kind of had to come up with like a real plan and that, that did sort of help me. The recorder is about to fall. Is it? Yes. I don't, it's not. It's no, not. you were, you were pressing on a wire and it was about to fall. I didn't know if you were like straightening out your arm, like nope. trying to crack your I elbow. I was like, don't, don't knock the recorder over. I was like looking for my hand for support because nope. of this emotional story you're telling. Nope. I said, don't, I was like, don't knock the recorder over. That was all I was doing. That was the international sign for don't knock the recorder over. Uh, and again, you know, having a triple dipple backup plan, which ours was always, we'll just be dog people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we just, we have one dog who, uh, probably wouldn't be good with other dogs anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, Bo, oh. you are more than anyone bargained for. Oh, Bo. Um, all right. I was going to play this voicemail. It, we, I was going to play it last week. I'm 99% sure I didn't play it last week. 
Well, we'll be the judge of that. But if I did, I'm sorry. We're going to hear it again. Hi, Dory, Matt, Daisy, Meyer, and Bo. This is Anonymous calling from Toronto, Canada. I'm really no, excited remember for Canada. you guys. Okay. And I just want to tell you that um, you've made such a difference for me in terms of dealing with my own infertility. I got my husband to listen to the podcast as well. Thank you so much for all you do. Um, my husband and I are from Toronto, Canada, and we've been trying for 18 months, and we've been with our RD for a year. It's not common to getting to um infertility clinic only after six months of trying, but my family doctor gave me a referral really soon after she suspected that I wasn't ovulating, um, and I was only 23 at the time. So fast forward a year, after three failed rounds of IUI, uh, we started talking about IVF, and that's when I found out about your podcast, and I binge-listened the whole thing. Um, I also joined the Facebook group page, which is really wonderful, and I, I truly wish that I have discovered your podcast much sooner. Um, so we plan to start our first round of IVF um, sometime maybe in February or March 2019. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that infertility can impact all ages. Um, sometimes I get really annoyed when the staff at the clinic tries to comfort me by saying, you know, you're still young, there's still time. And all I can think about is if I can't get pregnant when I'm 24, how the hell am I going to get pregnant when I'm even older? Um, Anyways, I'm just really excited for you guys, and I'll keep supporting the podcast. Thank you. I thought it was interesting that we heard from two different people who were both quite young yeah. and dealing with infertility and got kind of a, a, a perspective we don't hear from that much. Yes, the early mid-20s. Yeah. You know why we don't hear it much? People usually don't have their shit together by that point. That's true. To know that they want to have a baby yeah. and they found someone they want to be with. Yeah, I guess both these people got married relatively young. I think if if, if society was a bit different now, you know, a bit mm -hmm. more like it was in the olden times where people would like, I'm, I'm, I left school in sixth grade and started working on the farm, uh, got married when I was 17, and then decided to try IVF uh, at 20. Like, I think, honestly, I think it would be yeah, very yeah, similar. The pool of people doing IVF in their 20s, like, even trying to get pregnant in their 20s is probably yeah. smaller. Um, anyway, I just thought it was very interesting and, like, something that I don't really think about that much, about yeah. how there are kind of unique challenges to being very young and doing IVF. You know, the other thing, too, we always think about, like, people being uh, too, um, people being, uh... Uh, impulsive when they're married that young mm. you know but you know i think that these people who are married that young and are doing ivf are not impulsive they just knew what they wanted before everybody else oh totally yeah thank you canada yeah thank you canada and thank you um ashley and matt i love you toronto your stories so We've also been talking recently, we, we heard from someone uh, last week who wanted advice. Uh, we've heard recently from a couple of people talking about compassionate cycles and kind of what to do with leftover extra embryos. Um, and I wanted to share this email from Ruben in Boston. 
who also had a question about this. Dear Matt and Dory, my wife and I are at the end of our IVF journey. Our final tally is two retrievals, eight five-day embryos, three transfers of a pair each, and thankfully two wonderful science babies. However, we also have two spare embryos that we must now decide what to do with them. We've left them on ice for two years and must now use them, pay for storage, hand them off for scientific study, or have them destroyed, which is the lab's language. We're both 42 and exhausted, so we are not planning on a third child. Our clinic doesn't permit donating to other couples, so that's not an option. Hmm. I'm leaning towards paying it forward to science, but just can't pull the trigger. Irrational fear of a Henrietta Lacks situation. Do your listeners have any thoughts that can help tip the scales? Ruben in Boston. Well, I mean, Ruben's not really asking us. So no, he's not. He's asking. He's asking listeners. you, listeners. Talk to Ruben in Boston. Yep. I do have one thought. What's that? Put the baby in, and then train it from an early age to become a professional baseball player. Oh, that's a good plan. Yeah, it's going to take no time or effort on your part. Nope. But the payoff <laughs> will be huge. Enormous. Can you imagine? Uh, Ruben, your your kids out there just just blasting home runs over the green monster. What a day. All right, I'm gonna play a related voicemail. Before you play the related voicemail, I'm gonna talk break? about an unrelated sponsor. Okay, great. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, now can I play this voicemail? I guess so. Okay, great. Hey, Matt and Dory. My name is Caitlin. I'm from the Boston area. I'm a longtime listener. Um, and I had a question based on the questions you were getting about a compassionate cycle. Um, to give you some context, I have a four-year-old daughter who was spontaneously conceived, and then we went through secondary infertility before ultimately getting pregnant via IVF with my son, who's now nine months old. Um, we were lucky enough to have three frozen embryos as well. And so I guess my question has to do with moving forward with our family. I'm curious to hear other people's input as to how having frozen embryos impacted their decisions about next steps for their family. So my husband and I had never really sort of settled upon a number of children we were hoping to have, but I feel this sense of obligation to these embryos that we have. And that I feel like is really shaping and coloring our decision-making process. And so I would be interested to hear other people's input about how having frozen embryos impacted these conversations. Um, again, thanks so much for your podcast. It was so helpful when I was going through the IVF process. And um, I just really appreciated the community that you've created and looking forward to continuing to hear more about your guys' progression through this pregnancy congratulations best of luck thanks Bye. i think she just voted she did she voted with her voicemail yep you can vote with voicemail 413 one baby that's right okay <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, this is a this is this is a conundrum that I think a lot of people are are dealing with. It's frozen embryo question. It's interesting. I don't really just never really occurred to me to do anything but donate it to science. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, mm. I don't know. Well, we we got another. I guess I just wasn't comfortable with the idea of having my offspring out there. Unless it was in some sort of sciencey super soldier situation. Well, here's a voicemail that might change your mind. Okay. Hey guys, this is Jennifer. I'm calling in response to the caller who was basically wondering what to do with her extra embryos. Um, I, first of all, just want to preface this with the fact that I understand this is a difficult decision. Whatever people decide is totally their choice, and I totally respect that. I can't imagine how hard it must be to have to decide what to do with those embryos. But if I can just put in a plug for donating them, I know a lot of people feel weird about it because then I guess your kid will be out there and you won't know it, and that might feel weird to you. And I'm going to get emotional talking about this, but my little donated embryo is 13 months right now. Mm -hmm. And I think about that couple who chose to take the leap and donate those extra embryos, and I'm grateful for them every single day because every single day I get to spend with my little girl is a day that I remember where she came from. And so I just want to put that plug out there that I know it might feel weird and I know it's a huge decision, but it will literally be the biggest, best, greatest, most amazing gift that you can give someone. So I am team donate that embryo. Bye guys. Very convincing argument. Yeah. I'm back on board. All right. I was off the train. I told you that voicemail might convince you. And now I'm back on board. I mean, I guess it's a pretty nice thing to be able to do for someone. Yeah. Speaking of nice things to be able to do for someone, I'm going to read someone's email. Great. Uh, it's from Anonymous. Hi, Matt Dory and to Bo and the Bump. Hope you guys are happy. Thanks so much uh, for putting the show out for all of us. Been an island of normal and a sea of weirdos for me, and so comforting to have a little tribe. But my question is a bit of a downer, so perhaps you've already answered this one. I started listening late. Anyway, question is, when should you give up on IVF? And Please don't say when you run out of money or energy, or it's different for everyone. Well, you checked off three boxes there, so that's me saying that. Last part to her, or him. Uh, <clears throat> what is the best way to make this decision, and what is it like... What is life like afterwards? How have people gotten through it? What was the last round like? What helped? 37, my partner's 35. We've done five rounds, very low fertilization rates. Don't know how much info is necessary here. I get around 7 to 13 eggs, and of these, we either have 2 to 3 embryos to transfer or none. It's not bad. Uh, my partner has higher levels of morphology. 4%, is that a thing? <laughs> It's been so long now I can't remember. High sperm count, and they have run all the usual tests on me. Can't seem to figure out anything other than my old age and likely poor egg quality. We started IVF when I was 35. Doc recommended stopping after eight rounds, worst case scenario. Which, of course, we never thought we could face, but similarly always feared. My partner agreed. Six cycles max, but I would prefer to do the eight, but can't afford it without his support. Well, I think you have to also think about 
what else you can do without his support. You're just sort of, if you're both in this together, you both have to sort of be on a similar page, says Matt, back into the email. Anyway, after four full uh, IVF cycles, five failed transfers, we got pregnant on the second transfer of the fifth cycle. This was after I stopped drinking and started acupuncture. Were you drinking through the previous rounds? I'm very confused. Uh, Started acupuncture, melatonin, CoQ10, and wearing moonstones. Okay. Moonstones, interesting. She says, I know this stuff doesn't really work, but at this stage, I would have bitten the head of a live live bat and drunk its blood if you told me it would make me pregnant. Okay. Anyway, after I managed to convince my partner, who is a feminist and total legend normally, to reduce his drinking and stop going... Uh, to music festivals well he says uh yeah yeah stop going to music festivals we finally got pregnant oh i see what you're saying this was around the time i started listening to you guys in fact we found out we were pregnant the same week as you sadly week 10 after being told it might be a twin pregnancy then confirmation that it wasn't and later after seeing the heartbeat heartbeat we miscarried oh that is brutal it was devastating, but I was surprised it didn't upset us more. It felt about as horrible as each failed IVF cycle, to be honest. The only difference was that people around us could understand this grief a bit. I think we would have felt the same way. Yeah. It would not have felt any different than the previous IVF cycles. We'd been, I felt like at that point we were so beaten down anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing would surprise us. Anyway, now we're gearing up for a final round of IVF, and I'm trying to prepare for it to fail and to move on with my life when I would actually like to keep going for another two rounds. My partner absolutely won't budge on this. FYI, we had PGD testing on the last round of embryos, and two came back normal, while one had an abnormality but could still be transferred. I wonder if she actually means PGS. Anyway, whatever. I've saved this one for transfer after our last round of IVF, just in case it's a total bust. I think it would be better to end on a transfer than a failed IVF round. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why I ask, how do you end IVF? What is it like going through the last cycle and how do you survive? I'm also keen to hear an episode on the experience of carers slash support people so that I can better support my partner. Lots of love, Anonymous. Shouldn't her partner be thinking about how to better support her? Yeah. Uh, Look, Anonymous, here's, here's, I mean, this is just, you know, freewheeling Matt Myra coming in at you here. You both seem to be really half in on this. The fact that you didn't stop drinking until much late later into your rounds is crazy to me, first of all. The fact that he didn't stop drinking until much later into the rounds is also crazy. Uh, oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> Look, I smoked. Yes. Yeah, I smoked. So, you know, you're like... I smoked, but then, you know, as we got towards the end of our cycle, what happened? But you didn't quit when you were supposed to i know i know here's what i'm saying to you if you truly know that you're here's what if you're gonna get do six then you're gonna do six that you know convincing this uh partner of yours to do another round is not gonna do another round and i'm coming at this also as someone who is not good at uh quitting uh fun things they like to do in a timely fashion but if it's you know down to the wire and we have to do this and it's going to be the last round, then I'm going to do everything I can to to do a, as, as give myself the best chance of success at that round. You know? Because when you're in it, when you're three in it, four in it, and you think to your, and you already know you're doing six only, you're probably like at three and four, you're like, eh, I don't really have to quit because if it doesn't happen, we'll just do another two rounds. 
and I'll quit then. Like, that's what you end up telling yourself. So, fucking, just, like, if you're gonna do six and you know you're doing six, that's, then just give it a whirl for fucking 90 days, 60 days, however long it's gonna be. He's gotta cycle that sperm out. All right, I have some more constructive advice. I have the most constructive <laughs> advice. I think you two should go to couples counseling. Ay, I don't understand where we, how that ended up there. Why? I mean, I get not wanting to do eight rounds. If if she can't do it without the partner support, no, I'm not. It I'm sounds not like saying, it's a financial. I'm not saying thing. go to couples counseling so you can convince him to do eight rounds. That's not what I'm saying. Well, I'm saying you two are not on the same page, and you need to get on the same page. And also, it well, does, we're saying like, the same thing, I guess. It doesn't totally sound to me like your partner, even the eight rounds aside, like he's supporting you as much as he needs to be. Maybe I, 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 I want to know more, honestly. How old are you two? That's uh, 35? It. No, she said it. She's 37, turning 38 in December, and her partner's 35. Stop going to music festivals. You're 35. Stay in. Okay, we also have not addressed her actual question. I know. I just have so many thoughts. I feel like you're being kind of hard on her. No, not on her. Really, not on her. It's really more directed at the me in the relationship mm. being hard on myself by via this person. I see that continue anyway anonymous I think you two should talk to someone together and kind of lay it all out there and and talk about your feelings about this that's number one number two how do you end IVF I think this goes back to what I said earlier which is I think you you need to have some sort of like plan for the next steps whether it's we're going to pursue something, some other process. Like we'll, maybe we'll try adoption or we're not going to try anything and we're just going to have dogs or whatever. I think it, it, it helps to talk about like, what will our lives look like if this doesn't work and have like a really honest conversation and like, how can we have great lives if this doesn't work? Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice. All right, we have time for, I don't know, one, maybe two more. Okay. Um, Only eight pages left in this document. Well, some of them are the Patreon. Um, no, I know. People. All right, this is from Ashley. Mm-hmm. Hi, Matt. First Hi. off, oh, this is related to uh, discussions of food and children and... Food, children, got it. Yes, I don't have a podcast, but when I look back through journals as far back as 13, it is so full of weight slash diet slash food stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes me so sad. This has been consuming my mind for 20 years. So much energy gone and literally no change. I wanted to share a few things that have helped me. One, my relationship with food and my relationship with my body slash weight are two different things and need to be addressed differently. Two, talk about this with your therapist. Mm-hmm. Three, having a kid was very helpful in making me realize how much I talked about my body and dieting, so I just don't do it anymore. We don't comment on anybody's appearance, including our own, and we don't talk about diets or restriction. It has really helped. 
Four, my daughter's school did a section on nutrition and I've adopted their way of talking about food. There's nutritious food and sometimes food. We should mostly have nutritious food. You can't have the sometimes food all the time because then it wouldn't be sometimes food. Okay. Five, have compassion for yourself. This is hard. Yeah, I don't have any. Continue. I hope you can find peace with your issues, but know that you are not alone and you have a lot of people supporting you. Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, I like some sometimes food. I had some sometimes food last night at the sometimes game. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Remember last week we heard from a young man named Nick who had some advice about, uh, microwave, like mini pizzas. Yeah. And I was like, he sounds Australian. He mm-hmm. sounds like he left Australia when he was like six. Yeah. And I was like, I don't hear any of that. Hey, Matt and Dory. Uh, this is Nick. You just uh, read or played my uh, voicemail from last week about the microwave uh, uh, cup of water uh, to help with the pizza. Um, Dory, you uh, correctly identified my uh, uh, small Australian accent, I guess. I can't believe uh, I moved over to the U.S. when I was 18, uh, and I, it's been about 20 years now, so uh, the accent comes and goes, but... Uh, uh, it was never that strong to begin with, but uh, it's gone away over the years. So uh, happy to call in and, and solve that little mystery. Thank you, Nick. Uh, and uh, congratulations on picking up that small tinge of uh, Australian accent mm-hmm. that's still there. So yep. anyway, that's it. Thanks for the show. Good luck. Bye. I nailed it. You did, honey. Yeah, I don't know how you did it. I but. am a supersonic accent detector. <laughs> you have good accent, Dar? Yep. Mag really has wig dar, you know. You can spot a wig. Oh, that's that's a good one. My mom has nose job dar. Mm, interesting. Um, all right. Last email, we heard from another Ruthie. She wanted to clarify. Mm-hmm. She's not the regular Ruthie. Mm-hmm. Um, she referred to us as the Taylor Swift of podcasts. And she said, I think you could do a lot of good just mentioning there's something we can do, which is vote. I know you aren't a political podcast, but you haven't shied away from expressing your views about healthcare, reproductive rights, and rights of LGBTQ families, etc. These are all on the table come November 6th. Thank you for your honesty and being so real about this whole IVF process. Guys, anytime we can be compared to the Taylor Swift, I'm on board. Because, you know, look, with a, with a, with a God-given talent like that and, and, and the right song-producing writing team behind her, she's an unstoppable force. And uh, her legs don't quit, guys. This is, we are the Taylor Swift of podcasts. And uh, for Christ's sake, vote. Yeah. What is wrong with you people for even thinking about not voting? You have to fill out your mail-in ballot. I do. I have it sitting over there because I'm a registered uh, Democrat. I like to vote in person. You do. I voted for with you in the last election. Yeah, you did. Uh, no, not the last election. The presidential, presidential election two years ago. Uh, otherwise, I'm a mail-in kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So, make sure your vote counts. The easiest thing we can do right now is uh, fill that out. Yep. So, thank you, Ruthie, for that reminder. Ruthie, great job. Um, and then just before we get to the Patreon names, Beth wrote in to say that this is specifically for Matt. You asked if anyone who doesn't contribute to Patreon listens to the names. I do. Weird. Um, and she also says, did you know that your podcasts often have 10 to 15 seconds of dead air at the end? No, I didn't know that. They generally do, and it freaks me out. I think something has happened to my phone. Uh, I'll make sure I don't have that today. You know what it is? It's probably like I just let um, 
This is the music. I on. just let the garage band end it where it wants to end it rather mm. than dragging the line to All where right. it well, needs to be. Well, she says this weirdo from Canada wanted to weigh in. Thank I appreciate you. it, Canada weirdo. All right. Do you, should we both do the names? Do you want? Sure. Let's both <clears throat> do the names. We're doing this paper free. If you want to save the environment, another thing you can do besides uh, saving paper is uh, vote. Uh, and just a reminder, you can support us on Patreon. Get up to two bonus episodes per month at patreon.com slash excellentadventure. And once again, a massive, huge, enormous thank you <clears throat> to our Patreon supporters. And you will get the back catalog of the Patreon episodes if you support us on there. All right. Are we switching off? Sure. Jennifer Simon, thank you. Jennifer T. Brennan. Jennifer Wang. Jenny Gaggis. Jessica DeKemper. Jessica Nicole. Jessica Zimbelman. Jordan Hamsley. Joyce Hudson. Julia Lee. Julie Harrison. Karen Perelman. Uh, Corrine Labrie. Catherine Little. Kathleen Gilchrist. Katie Combs Pritchard. Katie Hobbs. Katie Joyner. Katie McKenzie. Katie Dunnett. Kelly Street. Kendra Broadwater. Carrie L. Kimberly Miller. Laura Bennett. Lauren Kay. Lauren Schultz. Lindsay McDonough. Uh, Madeline Deathliffs. Maggie Scow. Maggie Z. Mara Fass. Marid. Margaret Gorman. Maria Bishop. Mary M. Mary Messick. Megan Jardin. Megan Peel. Melanie Bronbeck. Melissa. Melissa Garcia. Uh, Michelle Chudzinski. Nancy Olson. Uh, Nicole Catalano. Nicole Hochsprung. Nicole Mustafa. Nikki Chung. Olga Zildstra. Paul Baker. Quincy Court. Rebecca Dowson. R- Rebecca Noki. Rebecca Tran. Uh, or Nosh, maybe? Anyway, Rob Bien. Bean. Bine. Bine. <laughs> Ryan Solo. Samantha. Sarah Lauer. Sarah M. Satish Pilla Lamari. Uh, Savannah Fox. Shanna Mendel. Sir Reginald Pennybottom. Oh, thank you, Sir Reginald. Suzanne. Tatiana Martinez. The Byersies. And Teresa Kuhn. Tiffany Stevens. Wendy Fick. And Katie Gillett. I don't know why I read Teresa's name like it was the last I one. I know. I was confused. And Teresa G- <laughs> Kuhn. Uh, don't forget to buy Start Up a Novel by Dory Shafrir. It's it, literally just her email signature, but I thought I'd read it because it's in this pot in my document right now. It's out in paperback April 3rd. Honey, we should change that. It's available in paperback. Now. Now. Uh, and uh, guys, the Kirkus Review said, to call it expertly observed is an understatement. And it was People Magazine's Book of the Week and Entertainment Weekly's must list. This is all Dory's email signature. I am delighted by uh, her well-earned praise of herself. Book thank of the Month Club selection, uh, April 2017. Oh, thank you, honey. More press here. Yep. That's probably a link I can't click on. Correct. Uh, anyway, thanks all for listening. Uh, go socks. We love uh, all of you. Bye. Unless you're Brett Gardner of the New York Yankees and you're listening to this somehow. That would be weird. Brett Gardner, I don't care for you. But if you played on the Red Sox, I'd be delighted. Bye.